Hey, well, I'm excited you're here. If you're brand new, a uh, special welcome to you. Uh, it's, uh, it's, we're going to be going to a time of teaching right now, and inside your program is a message note sheet that we use every week for our time of teaching, and so you'll definitely want to pull that out, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to jump in and continue this study of the Gospel of Mark, and so uh, if you guys are set, uh, I'm all ready to go. You guys ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's jump in. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done and how you've revealed yourself in our life through Jesus Christ. And that through Jesus, we've entered into a new relationship with you that's truly life-transforming. And so we come today, Lord, as, as followers of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, students of Jesus, to come under your leadership, that you would teach us how to follow us, that, that as, the, as the master, so we be the student. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we, uh, we are continuing this series that we've been in now since the beginning of the year on the Gospel of Mark. The series is called, for those of you who are new, uh, Jesus the King. And so we've been, we've been watching as Jesus comes and launches his ministry uh, in the north, uh, northern part of Israel. Uh, it's a, a part called the Galilee. And, uh, and so, so when Jesus comes, his, his core message is that this kingdom of God, that the prophets in Israel have been predicting would one day come for, for over a thousand years, I've been saying this, when, when God's gonna break into human history uh, and begin to turn all wrongs to right, uh, Messiah is gonna come, that, that that new day, that new era, it's actually dawning. The kingdom of God is near. It's like the dawning of a new day. The first rays of the new, of the new era are beginning to dawn. And not only does Jesus make this claim, which is a big claim, a lot of people would make this claim, a lot of false messiahs would come. Uh, not only does he make this claim, he begins to substantiate the claim by, by inaugurating, uh, initiating the kingdom wherever he goes uh, with these acts of power. And, and so it's like a, a preview of coming attractions. When, when God reigns over planet earth, what will it look like? And so the, the, the sick will be healed, the, the dead will be raised, the lepers will be cleansed, uh, those who are demonized will be set free. And so wherever Jesus goes, uh, you see a preview of coming attractions as the power of the coming age is coming into time and space right here, uh, right now. And so today we're moving into a new section in the Gospel of Mark. It's a new little mini-series going to be doing the next three weeks uh, where Jesus is going to begin to do some new acts of power that, that uh, reveal who he is and what it means to follow him at a whole new level. It's, it's like acts of power on steroids. So I'm calling this new mini-series Category 5. All right, so we're, we're gonna we're gonna go category five acts of power uh, the next three weeks, and so today uh, we start off with with the uh, act of power over nature, where he's actually commanding nature. And there in your note sheet, you have a section called the storm, uh, the surprise. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Mark chapter four, and uh, we will we'll pick it up. Uh, uh, at verse 35. We're actually going to go back and, and do a little bit of verse 1 and then jump to verse uh, 35 uh, as we kind of catch up with uh, where, we, where we've been. So here we go. Uh, Mark, Mark 1, uh, or Mark chapter 4. Uh, let's set the stage. The last three weeks, the last week Joel was teaching, uh, it was kind of a, a final, his final message, kind of a one-off. Uh, but prior to that, uh, we did a three-week series called The Stories of Jesus. And so if you remember, for the first time, uh, Mark kind of shares, here's what the kinds of things that Jesus was teaching about his kingdom. And so we, we learned, here, here's how you come into his kingdom. Uh, here's how you grow and thrive in his kingdom. Uh, here's the future of the kingdom. And, and so we, we, we learned about the, you know, how you enter, grow, thrive in his kingdom. And, uh, and so remember, he started that day teaching uh, on a boat on the, off, the, off the shore uh, because the crowds were so big. And so like if you go back and pick up at 4.1, it says, uh, af again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat out on it on the lake uh, and while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And then he taught them many things by these parables, these short stories, these illustrations. So that's where we bid. Okay. So now it's the end of the day, uh, Jesus is done uh, teaching, and he's ready to call it a day. And so in verse 35, let's jump ahead to verse 35. This is where he starts today. So that day, when evening came, he says to his disciples, uh, let's go over to the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, now I want you to catch something here. Uh, whose idea is it to go to the other side? Okay, I, I want you to be really clear on that. Okay. Who, who, who said, hey, let's go to the other side? Who said that? Jesus. 
Jesus. How do you think it would have gone if, say, like Peter or Andrew speaks up and says, yeah, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> it's kind of late. Um, there's a Motel 6. Um, why don't we just bunk down for the night? We'll head over to Mar- How do you think that would have gone? Probably not so well, right? Um, Jesus is really not open to suggestions most of the time. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, I just want you to catch that because it's going to be very important <laughs> later on. And so, leaving the crowd behind, uh, they, they take him along just as he was. So they don't even go back into town, get any supplies or anything. They just take off in the boat. And there are also some other boats with them. And so, uh, th- these are not real big boats. Um, uh, they, it's not like ocean liners or something. Uh, and so they're, they're small boats, uh, probably big enough at least for the, you know, the 13 of them to be in, but it's kind of a small boat. There's several of them taken off. They're fishing boats, and they're going to head across the sea. Now, the Sea of Galilee is not real big, uh, 13, 14 miles long, uh, eight or nine miles wide, at the widest spot where they are at the top, northwest corner. It's, it's probably, you know, a few miles across, so it's not like a big trip or anything. So they're, they're going to take off. Now, Jesus has been teaching all day. He's exhausted. Uh, we know Jesus often gets up early to go spend time with his father. It's the only time he has. He's been teaching all day. Remember back in chapter 3, so many people are coming. They can't even find time to get a meal together. Uh, and so, so he's exhausted, healing, teaching, often up late at night. And so he is beat. And so after they take off, and remember, it's, it's like it's evening now. It's the end of the day, so it's getting dark. So uh, he says, guys, I'm going to go back and, and catch some sleep. They're like, can you guys just handle the boat? Great, good. They're fishermen, right? The, these guys, several of them are, are professional fishermen. They're used to being on the, on the lake. In fact, when you would fish as a professional fisherman, you'd fish at night. And so they're, they're used to being on the lake at night. This is like very standard. Hey, guys, can you, can you take this? They're probably feeling good about themselves because, you know, you know Jesus, what does he know about sailing? They're the pros here. It's nice to be in charge. So anyway, uh, so, so they, yeah, we got it, Jesus. And so he goes back, uh, finds a place in the back of this little boat, and he crashes. He crashes, finds a little pillow there. Mark tells, I love, the, I love the detail. He finds a little pillow. I'm not sure what color. Mark doesn't tell us, but puts the pillow down, and uh, he, he crashes, and he is out. I mean, one, one thing we learn about Jesus, doesn't have insomnia. That's it. Big, that's your big takeaway for the day. But uh, he is out. I mean, he is like solidly out because what's going to happen somewhere in this journey? I want to picture it's dark. It's nighttime. Uh, at some point, a violent storm comes up. Now, this is very common because the way the Sea of Galilee is situated, it's, uh, it's on a real deep lake and it's uh, surrounded by mountains on all sides. And so when that warm air comes over, sometimes from the Mediterranean or cool air, depending on the weather, for it, it can often cause these violent storms to come up without warning. It's very fast. And uh, so you need to picture this whole story today. How many of you have seen the movie Perfect Storm? Have you seen that movie? Okay. You need to keep that in your mind. Now, now the scale is different, right? Because Perfect Storm is, is out at sea and a much bigger ship. Uh, but the, the experience is going to be very similar because it's, it's, it's like very small little boat. And so it's in terms of scale, very similar and, and dynamic, very similar. So you need to picture that. So they're, they're going to, this violent storm comes in and I'm sure the guys at first are not really concerned. They, they've been out, they've been out, they, they know, they know, they know ships, they know, they know uh, weather patterns, they know storms. And so I'm sure that they're, at first they're fine. They're just doing fine with this. And so they probably take the sail down. Uh, they're heading into the waves. But you can picture this. Yeah, it's very dark. But, but it, with the light there is, you start to see the, the white caps starting to rise as the wind's howling now. And if you've ever been out in sea, you know how this is. And the white caps start going. And, and the, the, uh, the, the waves are starting to get larger and larger. And they're heading in. They're starting to look at each other like, whoa, this one could be a big one. And, and, and all of a sudden, the water's starting to come over the edge. It's like, hey, Peter, why don't you get, why don't you get some buckets back there? Let's get, let's, like, let's, let's get, the, let's get the oars out, get the sail down, let's start, let's like, hey, could you guys start bailing back there? And, and so now water's coming over the edge, and they're starting to bail, and it's getting a little bit dicey, a little bit scary, and Jesus, right, he's at the back, at the back of the boat. yeah, he is just like flopping around, Woo. you know, water's coming over, he's getting wet, you know, and he is not even waking up, right? And so at first, they're kind of looking at each other like, check it out, you know, but whatever. So they're just, they're just kind of going, but, but now it's, it's, getting, it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and that wind is howling more and more. And so remember, these are experienced fishermen, right? Like, this, this is not novices, 
And so they, they don't get scared easy out on the, on the sea. They don't get scared easy, but they are now, their fear level starting to rise. They, they're starting to get, there's no life, they don't have life jackets in this thing. They're, they're getting, starting scared. Like this is getting dice, this is getting scary. This thing could go down. And so the longer it goes on, the angrier they're getting at Jesus. Do you ever have someone in your life kind of like this? Like at the job, it's a crisis, it's all hands on deck, and there's one person who's oblivious. They're just kind of over there, do, 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 right? And everyone else is like, this is a crisis, got this customer calling, it's all hands on deck, and, and, and you're, like, you're like, I'm sure, you know, George is going to wake up, we need his help, you know? But it's like, finally, you're so irritated. You're like, George, come on, get with the program here. You see what know, the customer is, you know what's going on. Look what's going on. Everyone's killing themselves around here. And then we've all been in a situation. So that's like that Jesus is flopping around, right? And, and they're like getting irritated. Now, it's interesting because you don't really know like what they want him to do. Because when he does what he does, it's not what they expected. I think it's just sort of like, well, dude, he's got some power. He's got some connection. Maybe he can do something. At least he can bail. I know he's just a pastor, but still. <laughs> right? And so let's see what happens. So verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they take him along as he was in the boat. Some other boats with him. And this furious squall comes up. So Mark's going to shorten this story. Here's a hot tip. When you're reading the life of Jesus, you need to take some time to put yourself in the situation and use your imagination and picture the scene. Because due to the, the, uh, the size of the, the scrolls, they would, they, would, you know, they would condense these stories. Mark's cutting through all this. right? He's cutting through all that I just told you. He's cutting through all that. He's cutting to the chase. But... Uh, but he says, a furious squall comes up, the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Because you got a picture, remember dark, nighttime, huge waves now, these are experienced guys, and they are about to drown. That's where they are, that's the picture. And so Jesus, he's in the stern, he's in the rear, he's sleeping on a cushion. Through all of this rocking and rolling and everyone soaked, he is out. I mean, he, the guy is tired. And so finally the disciples wait. They, they wait to the very last moment, to the moment they think they're going to die. And they wake him up, and you can hear the irritation in their voice as they say to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, can you, can you hear that? It's like, what is wrong with you? It's like, that's what, what is wrong with you? Like, how, how can you sleep, and don't you care, and this was your idea, you know? And, like, why don't you help, George, right? So, uh, and so what they got was not what they expected. If they expected him, like, to pick up a bucket or something, not what happened. So he gets up, and he rebukes the wind. Uh, this is the same word that Mark uses when Jesus rebukes the demons. He rebukes the wind, and he says to the waves, knock it off. It's in the Greek. <laughs> I am sure Jesus didn't say in Aramaic, quiet, be still. I know he didn't say that. He's <laughs> like, no one talks like that, you know? Kids, quiet, be still. It's like, you don't talk like that. You say, knock it off, right? And so he's like, but this is how you translate it. Quiet, be still. And so the wind, all of a sudden, it just, it just goes flat. Like imagine, imagine, imagine you have a fishbowl, and you've been rocking that thing, and it's like, the waves are like crazy. And all of a sudden, it just like stops. And the moment he speaks... The wind goes from whatever it's going, 60, 90, I don't know what's going, to zero. And the wave's just quiet. And all of a sudden, it's totally dark. The men are exhausted. Their clothes are dripping, both from the sea and from their sweat. And in that moment, 
they are more scared of Jesus than they were of the waves. And, and they are just freaked out. Whatever they were expecting, it wasn't this. And, and they are looking at each other in the dark. No one's going to talk to Jesus this moment. And they are looking at each other like, did you see that? And, 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 and we're told they're terrified. They are just like, like, who is this? See, see they started, they, they thought they knew who Jesus was. They don't really have a clue. But, but they're beginning to get a clue. And, and so I want you to see, now Jesus, it's his turn to be irritated. They were irritated that he wasn't waking up. And he's irritated they're so upset. So he says, quiet, be still. It calms down. In verse 40, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Now, in the Greek, uh, the word is cowards. Why are you such cowards? (laughs) Guys, um, hot tip. When you're with another man, unless you want to fight, don't say, why are you such a coward? (laughs) Are you with me? It's kind of fighting words, right? And Jesus looks at me like, well, what's wrong with you guys? You're such wimps. Like, you're so timid. Like, like well, what's wrong with you? And then, <laughs> and then it gets worse. He says, do you still have no faith? I mean, after all we've gone through, remember the, the lepers, the paralytics, uh, uh, the water and the wine. Uh, like, like, what's wrong with you? I said, it's a challenge, it's a rebuke. But, but look what they're doing. They're in the darkness, right? They're terrified. These are experienced fishermen, tough guys, and they are now more afraid of Jesus than they were of the storm. And they ask each other, who is this guy? Like, what have we got ourselves into? And even the wind and the waves obey him. Wow, what a, what a beautiful incident. The story of, of Jesus shepherding of his men uh, and going to turn them into something other than who they are and how he shepherds us in our lives and how he takes us from who we are to who we're going to be. Uh, and, and so today what I want to do is I want to highlight uh, three principles that flow out of this passage that are incredibly important for our lives as followers of Jesus understand who Jesus is, who we are, and how our relationship with him works. And so there in your note sheet, first section is called Storms 101, what to expect. And, and so let's, let's jump in and uh, talk about this uh, together. Number one, uh, the first thing that I think jumps out at me from this passage is that Jesus leads us into storms. Uh, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you can expect that there will be times in your life where Jesus will not only allow you to go through storms, hard times, uh, difficult times, painful times, scary times, not only allow you to go through that, but there are times in your life where Jesus will actually lead you into storms. One of the things I I love about this story is how clear it is on this. Um, Whose idea was it to go to the far side? Jesus. Jesus. Have you ever gone through a situation in your life where you've just, you've prayed about something? You've asked wise counsel. You've studied the word. You've listened to the Holy Spirit. You, You felt like you're totally surrendered to God. You're open, you're willing and you feel like he's guiding you, he's leading you to take a step, it's a scary step perhaps, and you take that step, and then all hell breaks loose. And you're like, what is going on? I thought you said get in the boat. I thought you said go to the other. And then worse than that, in the midst of this all hell breaking loose storm, as you're calling out to God, it seems like he's kind of asleep in the back of the boat. Like it seems like he's not even aware of what you're going through. 
And, and, and it feels like he doesn't care at all. Have you been there? Like we've all, know, we've all been through situations where life is hard and it has nothing to do with, it's just life situations, it's following the world, but I'm talking about times where you're really following Jesus and you think you're discerning what he wants and you take a step and then all hell breaks loose. This week I got a call, uh, actually an email from a friend. Uh, there's a, a couple that uh, Lynn and I are friends with and uh, Several years ago, uh, they, they were situated in part of the country, and they're just really, uh, they, they were loving where they're at. They both had great jobs. Uh, their kids were plugged into the local youth group, really thriving. They both loved their church, adored their church, it's the greatest church in the world. They, they were really, they, they just, life was going really well. But it was hectic. Uh, they're, they're both working, uh, uh, demanding schedules, and it was really their desire that, that uh, the wife would be able to be more of a stay-at-home mom or work part-time. And, and so they, they got this offer from another part of the country. They were approached by a firm in another part of the country and asked, uh, would, you, would you come and, and join? The husband was asked, would you come and join our team? And it was really a hard decision because uh, it was going to allow her to stay at home. And, and that's something they, they dreamed of, they prayed for. Uh, and, uh, and yet they were so plugged in where they were. And so they really began to seek God. God, what do you have for us? And they really, they sought wise counsel. They said the word, they prayed. They're both great people who love Jesus, surrendered to his will, listening for his voice. And, uh, and so through, through the whole process, one day she's out, their local, where they, where they live, there's a local drugstore there. And she was out in the parking lot and uh, she felt like God spoke to her very clearly. In fact, it was audible. And he, he told her not to be afraid to go, that he would provide them with a home in this new location. And so they, armed with that word from the Lord and everything else that they'd done, they both felt God was leading them. They took off and they moved their family across the country. And then all hell broke loose. Next three years, hardest years of their life. The position that her husband took wasn't as advertised, highly dysfunctional situation the church that they, they'd investigated in the area, well, here's where we go to church, highly dysfunctional, just broke their hearts. Um, their marriage, as well, started going through some very difficult times in their marriage. The wife started having some major health issues that were brand new. All hell broke loose. H- have you been there? Like you think, like you seek God, Right? It's where the disciples were at. It's a situation where God's people will often find ourselves in. Or at least put it this way. Over the course of your life, there will probably be times like this. Maybe not, but for many of us there will be. There's a great passage in the Old Testament when Israel was going through a time like this. Uh, let, Let me frame it up. There's certain biblical events. There's critical biblical events. Uh, Creation of the world. Critical. Uh, The call of Abraham, critical. Uh, The nation of Israel being brought out of Exodus, uh, out of slavery, critical. Red Sea, critical. There's certain, in in the story that God is telling, the mega story, there's certain critical events. That's why this this course we're teaching this summer called The Message, to understand how the critical events, the flow of biblical history, the story that God's telling. One of the most critical events in the story that God's telling in the Bible is one that many Christians aren't really that familiar with, and it's called the exile. And it's in the Old Testament in 586 BC where the nation of Israel, after years and years of rebellion against God and warnings by the prophets, God had told them, if you don't get your act together, there's gonna come a time when I'm gonna take you away from this land, the promised land, and you'll go into a foreign land and you worship all the idols you want there. That's what you want. And so in 586 that happened, the nation of Babylon uh, comes in for the final time, destroys, levels Jerusalem, takes away the nation of Israel over 1,000 miles away to the land of Babylon, be like us being conquered by China and then relocated to China. Their hearts are broken. The question that's, re- that's in their heart is, have we gone too far? Does God still love us? Have we rebelled too much? Is this the end of the road? Does God even know what we're doing? Is he, does he even care? You see, when the disciples were in the boat that day, 
their issue was, is, is Jesus even aware of what we're going through? And then does he care? So this question, when, when they woke him up, don't you care? You know, you don't even seem to be aware, do you care? It's the same issue that Israel was asking in Babylon. And so God speaks to the prophet Isaiah. And it's a very familiar passage to some of you here, but that's the context of it. So Isaiah 40 is there in your note sheet. And, and so here's, uh, you know, uh, here's uh, God speaking. He says, why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? Notice the complaining. He says, well, here's what they're saying. He says, my, my way is hidden from the Lord, from Yahweh. He says, that's how it feels. He says, why are you saying this that I don't see, I'm not aware of your situation? And why are you saying my cause is disregarded by my God? He doesn't even care. Not aware, doesn't care. He says, don't you know who you're dealing with here? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God. That's who you're dealing with. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. He's not like a human being. Of course, he's aware, right? Uh, his understanding, no one can fathom. His plans are, for your life are so much bigger, you could even begin to understand your nation. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. And so even though youths will grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, those who hope or wait or trust in the ideas in the midst of the storm, you fix your eyes on him, you know he loves you, you know he has a plan, you're gonna trust him. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That God will meet you in the storm. He will rescue you. He will strengthen you through the storm. And so the first thing I want you to catch out of this, this incident is that there are times in our life where God will lead us in the storms. He's preparing us for our future just like he was these men, all right? Number two. The second one is that we often wait too long to wake him. That, that when we're going through storms, we often wait too long to, to wake him. That, you know, as, as fallen human beings um, that have a deep distrust of God naturally because of our rebellion, uh, that, that we all have a, a tendency I think to wait too long uh, to wake Jesus uh, in the midst of our storm. Um, so so let's, let's go back to the story. Uh, you know, th these men, they, they take off. Jesus is exhausted. He goes to the back of the boat. Guys, would you take it? My hunch is they're probably feeling good. They're, they're like, you've all had uh, kids or little kids. You know how when you have little kids, they like to be in control. Hey, would you take this one, right? Just like they, they okay, could you handle that? Yes, dad, I can handle that. So uh, I think that it's sort of like that. You know, hey, guys, can you handle the boat? Hey, that's what we do. We're fishermen. So uh, yes, you go sleep, Jesus. I know you've had a hard day. We'll take it from here. And so they're, they're, they're taking off, right? And so they're, they're very confident of their ability uh, but in the middle of the night, the storm hits, and now it comes to a place where uh, they, they're, they're no longer confident, that they've done everything they know to do. This storm is bigger than they are. They're ready to go down. But here's what I want you to catch. They were very slow to wake up Jesus, weren't they? Like, like you don't usually go in terms of fear in your life. You know, fear goes through stages, right? There's a little bit of concern, and then it goes to a little bit of anxiety, then it starts to go to worry, and then somewhere it goes to freak out, right? And sometimes it goes, okay, there's a, there's a bridge, good, that looks good. You know, I mean, like, it's so, we kind of go through this process, right? Like, like usually, and so, unless something hits, like, overnight, you know, just boom, uh, you know, whether it's your finances, your kids, uh, your marriage, a situation at work, a project you're on, your spiritual life, you usually go through stages, like, like, you, like storms don't happen, just boom. It's like, the, it starts picking up, right, you see? And so we go through, and so uh, here's what I found, that as human beings, we tend to be slow to wake up Jesus. Uh, and, and I think in their case, uh, they, 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 they waited till the very end. And uh, when they're about to die, and you know, when I, when I, when I, I used to read this story, here, here's how I would read it. I, you know, Jesus wakes up, and there's no question he's irritated. There's no question he's uh, not happy with them. He's kind of rebuking them, right? Like, what, what's wrong with you, cowards and wimps? Uh, he's, he's not really happy with their response. You know, why are you so afraid? Uh, you still don't have faith. He's not, not really happy. Uh, and so here's how I used to read it. I used to read it like this. That why is Jesus upset? 
I, my assumption was Jesus is upset because after all they've seen him do, worry should no longer happen in their life. That no matter how big the storm, no matter how much water is in the boat, uh, no matter how howling the winds or how high the waves, that you should just never worry because you're with Jesus and so somehow it's going to work out. You should be worry-free. That's how I used to read it. This time studying through, it dawned on me, I think it's not quite right. I think it's more like this. The reason that Jesus was so upset was that they waited so long to invite him into the situation. Like after all, like he didn't expect them to realize, hey, this guy is God. You know, he controls the oceans. Uh, let's wake him up and have him speak the word. Jesus didn't expect him to get that. But what he expected was after all they'd seen him do, that they would at least think that he could probably help. It's not a bad idea to wake him up. You know, it's starting to look a little dangerous. But, but they didn't. That They waited till the very last minute when they are freaking out to wake him up. Now, have you ever noticed this natural tendency we have in our lives? To wait till the till crisis time to invite Jesus into the boat. Like, like some of you have teenagers, right? So by definition, you have storms. <laughs> now, let's say your, your kid's 12 years old, right? They're, they're starting to move from that, that uh, kind of tweener age into, you know, teenage years. And they've always been a good kid, and they've always loved Jesus, and they've been, you've been happy with them. And you're starting to see some storm clouds on the horizon, like you're starting to see some attitudes developing. You're starting to see some friendships develop. You're starting to see some of the things they're, they're drawn to, attracted to. Some of the things they're addressed. There's certain things that begin to be a concern. Here's the thing. The moment you see a storm cloud on the horizon, it's the moment to go to the back of the boat and wake Jesus up. Say, hey, I don't know anything's going on, but I'm concerned about something I'm seeing in my 12-year-old and I want to invite you in a situation right now. We, we don't wait till they're 17, they're pregnant, they're on drugs, and now we go to Jesus, Jesus, this is too big for me. I've done everything I know how to do. And I, I, I'm about to go down now. It's like, hey, why didn't you wake me up back here? You know, some of you in your marriage, you're waiting to invite Jesus in until the boat's going down. Right? Uh, and in business, you know, you, your, your job, it's like, well, I can handle this. I, can, I don't want to bother God with the details. He's, you know, he's running the world. Have you heard that one? You see, often we're slow to, to bring Jesus in early, and, and it often comes because of one of two reasons. One reason is that we are just self-sufficient people. We are very ignorant about our own limitations. And so, so often, it's not until the storm's taken our boat that we go, I, I should probably go to God. We're like two-year-olds. I can do it myself, right? And, and, so, uh, and so, so often, it's just because of our, our own pride, our ego, our inability to realize our limitations that we wait until we're going down. Kind of part, part, of, part of our DNA as fallen race is even though we've come to Jesus, we've been born again, we have a spirit, there's that old pull and we're slow to trust. We're slow to depend. And so sometimes it's because others of us struggle with a different issue. Others of us here, we truly don't want to bother Jesus because we have this view of God that God's kind of like us. And since he's kind of like us, he's got a lot of bigger fish to fry and we don't want to bug him with the details. Have you heard someone say this? Maybe you've said this. It's like, you know, he's got North Korea going on. We've got Syria going on. We've got the stock market. Greece is going bankrupt. Uh, it's like, well, you know, why do I want to talk about my 12-year-old? You know, I, can, I think God helps those who help themselves. I, I need to figure this one out on my own. Uh, time out. Uh, newsflash. 
God is not like you. Uh, he is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. Uh, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't go to sleep. He's not weary. He's not limited like, oh, I'm holding up Korea. Don't put your 12-year-old on me. Oh, that was too much. Oh, one more marriage issue. I can't take it. <laughs> like he is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. Like this is what he does. Amen. He is the problem solver, right? Doesn't tie you down. So bring it on, right? right. So... So the issue is, why do we wait so long? You see, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this great passage in Philippians chapter four, there on your note sheet. I want you to catch this. Um, Paul says, do not be anxious about what? Anything. anything. Can you circle that? I want you to circle it. Don't be anxious about, you know, so what are you anxious about in your life, right? Don't be anxious, but in what? Everything, circle it, but in everything, by prayer and petition, that means waking Jesus up, prayer is just conversation with God, and petition, asking him what we need, right? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we're gonna keep things in perspective, what he's done for us in the past, we wanna present your request to God. And he says, notice what happened. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's supernatural, then will guard your hearts and your minds. But it, the peace can't guard us if we don't wake Jesus up. We've got to take it. So here's the rule. Here's the rule. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to take to Jesus. Okay? Remember, newsflash number two, he already knows. Okay? So, so if it's big enough to worry about, so, so when you start being concerned about your 12-year-old, when you start being concerned about your marriage, like there just seems some tension. Like a couple weeks ago, I just sensed some tension with Lynn and I in our marriage. I don't even know if she's, I haven't even talked to her about this. This will be the first time she's heard about us today. But, so I, yeah, I, honestly, I wasn't even sure that there was anything there. I didn't, like, she'll be her 11 o'clock service if I say this again, which I might not, but uh, <laughs> that if, if it was there, I, I didn't even know she felt it. I'm not even sure I was right. But it just seemed like for three or four days, it kind of seemed like there was just, this very, like, very small cloud on the horizon. Like, n n nothing big, but it just seemed like, I mean, there wasn't like any fighting, there wasn't any argument, it just seemed like, like there's just a little distance. And so I begin to invite Jesus in. Well, I, I don't know if there's something going on here or not, but just, I don't know if it's a spiritual attack or, but would you just protect our marriage right now? We just kind of, you know, and, uh, and that's all gone now. We never end up talking about it. Uh, it's all, it was, it was all, whatever it was, I felt that for about three days one week and three days the next. I don't know if it's a spiritual attack or I don't know what it was, but it's all gone and we're good. Had a great day together Friday. Well, everything's good. But it's just, there's a cloud out there. There's a cloud out there. Jesus, I need you to wake up right now. Uh, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's anything. It might be nothing, but could you just kind of watch out? I, I don't want to go through the storm without you. I, I, just want, I just want in the boat, right? You see? We wait too long. Number three. Number three is that Jesus reveals himself in the storms. Uh, it's in the storms that we get to, to understand who Jesus is, and understanding who Jesus is changes everything. Um, think of your life. My guess is that many of us here, when we would ask, if I were to ask you, when is the time in your life where God became real to you? When was the time in your life when you began to draw close to God in a new way, it really changed your life? 
When was the time in your life where you began to realize Jesus' power and for the first time really connected with his power in, in your life? My guess is, is that for most of us here, we would right away go to one of the hardest times of our life. Uh, the reality is many of you came to Jesus as a result of a storm. It was in the storm that Jesus first revealed himself to you. And this is very typical. There are things that happen in a storm that drive us to Jesus, that reveal our own inadequacy, that teach us how to trust him in a way that releases the power of God in our life and that transforms us at a core level. There's things that happen in a storm that don't happen anywhere else. You know, when these guys started the day with Jesus, they thought they knew who he was. They really did. I mean, they were traveling with him for months. They've left their homes. They've left their families. They've watched him do miracles. I think at the start of the day, if you ask them, do you know Jesus? Yes, I do. Who is Jesus? And I think if you interview the different 12 guys, they would have had different opinions. I think that uh, they, they would have uh, uh, had a lot of things in common. They all would have seen him as an incredibly gifted teacher. In fact, when they wake him up, this is what a teacher, don't you care? They saw him as a, te- a teacher from God gifted teacher, right? I think they, they for sure saw him as a miracle worker. Chances are they saw him as a prophet. We'll see later that was a common word on the street, kind of like Jeremiah or Elijah of old. They probably saw him as a prophet. Uh, some of them may have even seen him as the Messiah, although their concept of Messiah was probably very different, probably more of an earthly uh, next king up uh, from next King David. Probably Some of them probably were beginning to see him that way. Um, but so, so they all, at the start of the day, they thought they knew who Jesus was. By the end of the day, they realized they didn't have a clue who Jesus was. It was in the storm that they began to understand who Jesus was. But when he got up and started bossing nature around, It freaked them out. None of them expected that. And in the darkness, they turned to each other and they asked this great question that's the most important question of life. Who is this? They they realized that they didn't have a clue. And to tell you the truth, after this incident, they still didn't get it. But it was an important day in their education. Is an important day in their process of their, their growth with Jesus. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, um, part of God's resume has, he's, he's really big on water. God's like a water specialist. He's kind of, a, he's big on water works. Um, like as you, as you read through the Old Testament, uh, there's a lot of passages about God being the creator of the oceans. Uh, Of course, the biggest miracle of the whole Old Testament that defined Israel was the splitting of the Red Sea. When they moved into the promised land, God stopped the Jordan from flowing. There there are many passages that talk about God being the God of the oceans. The other other gods uh, around Israel, there would be different gods of the oceans. And, And they said, no, Yahweh is God of the oceans. He's the God of the deeps. And there's, and there's many, many, many passages like this in the Old Testament. Uh, you see, like controlling the ocean is something God does. It's part of his job description. It's something only God does. And in their mindset, that's why it blew them away when Jesus is commanding water, ocean. Like, let me just give you an example. There in your note sheet, Psalm 107 it's a great psalm about the, uh, about, it's, it's, it's about uh, how God intervenes in the lives of his people in times of crisis in a wide variety of ways to rescue them. And so the psalmist is talking about, hey, these people, this was their crisis. Here's how God intervened. These people, this is their crisis. Now, it gets to the middle of the psalm. He talks about sailors out at sea and how God had intervened. And so he says, others went out to the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. 
And they saw the works of Yahweh, his wonderful deeds in the deep, in the ocean. And he said, for he spoke and he stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. Picture, perfect storm. And so in their ship, they mounted up to the heavens on these huge waves. And then they went down to the depths, the huge valleys. Picture, perfect storm, right? And in their peril, their courage melted away. They thought they're going to die. And so just like the disciples, they they thought they're going to die. And they reeled and they staggered like drunken men. In other words, picture, and this is like a bigger ship now at sea, and they can't even stand up straight because of the storm. And they were at their wits end. And so like the disciples, they cried out to Yahweh in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. And look what Yahweh did. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. You see, this is what God does. God speaks, and the storms are created. God speaks, and the storms are hushed. And that day, in the darkness, sitting there, exhausted, sweaty, soaking wet from the water, they look at him in the dark, and they say, who is this? God commands the seas. Jesus just commands the seas. And they're not quite ready to put two and two together to get four. But today is an important day in their education. Because it's in the storms when the water's coming over the edge of our lives and our lives are about to go down that here's what happens. Several things happen in the storm. It drives us to Jesus it reveals our inadequacy in such a way that for the first time in our life, we can truly trust him because we can no longer trust ourselves. And as we trust him, it releases his power in our life. We begin to experience his power in new ways. And in that moment, we begin to see who Jesus is. And as Jesus grows, our problems get smaller and life changes and we are not the same. Earlier in the day, I shared about this couple, these friends of ours, who felt God clearly leading them across the country to a new land, and how when they got there, all hell broke loose. loose. And uh, in this email I got from the wife this week, I'm going to read you a couple excerpts. I want you to listen to the storm, the storm that God led them into, the storm that he led them out of. Uh, because when they sent this, she was, she was sharing with me that her husband has now just received an offer for a new position at a great company, just a few minutes away from where they live, so they'll stay there, and they found this new church, this awesome church, and uh, they're thriving. And so she says, hey, Mike, I just want you to know my husband took the job. I'm so excited. I just can't tell you how very excited. When we were praying about coming out here, I think you know just how difficult a decision that was. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed over that decision. Everything looked positive, but all of that ended up ultimately unimportant for me because at one point while I was praying over this decision, I remember I was sitting in the parking lot of the drugstore. I audibly heard the Lord say, that we would have a home here. And a strong sense of his peace came over me. But ever since then, I don't know if I even have the right words for it. I wouldn't call it the dark night of the soul because I've never doubted that God has been with me. But I've had the why conversation more times than I care to admit. And I've questioned my ability to hear him. And did I hear him correctly? You know, get in the ship. Let's go to the other side. Was I shaping him into my image? And so I've been so angry. I've spent time ignoring God, being mad at him, feeling abandoned, like like the guys in the boat. You name your cliche, I felt it, done it, yelled it, and questioned it. So when her husband finally decided it was time to accept this new position, 
It was the first time that I've ever felt like we could be here for a long time. I've never felt that before. I feel like this is what God meant when he said we'd have a home. Not four walls and a roof, but a community, a family, people we can grow spiritually with, work to grow the kingdom with. And the gift these three years have given me is that I'll never take that for granted again. God knows best. He always does. And that's why I'll take the aches and pains. She's had a lot of physical issues. And I'll deal with them because I know that my God holds my heart. And that he loves me in a way that I've never known before. And, he, and, and I've never known how to love myself. He let me wallow in the pig pen during these three years for my scraps. So he could wrap me up in his very own cloak put his ring on my finger and prepared a party just for me. His much loved child. My heart is full. Obviously, this big fat feeler is kind of a weepy mess. God has met them in the storm. He's healed their marriage. Actually, said it's stronger than it's ever been. He's revealed himself in new ways in their life. He's driven them to trust him. He's shaped them at their core. They are different people because of what they've gone through. You see, here's the thing Jesus has a big vision for your life. I, I don't know you. You may be very happy with mediocre. He's not. He has designed you for something great. And he is relentless in taking us there. And if it requires a storm, he will take you through the storm. Because ultimately, he wants you to experience life as he experiences life. And where was Jesus during this Category 5 storm? He was asleep at perfect peace. And you may say, well, that's because he's Jesus. Uh, he's, he's got the power. He knew it was going to all work out. I don't think so. I, I don't think he had a clue what was coming or what was happening. He may have, but most of the time I don't think he did. We'll see in Mark, he's often surprised often shocked, often has plans that don't work out. He gave up that all-knowledge thing when he came. Now, the, Jesus was at peace because he knew his father. He knew his father had a plan for his life. He knew his father loved him passionately. And so nothing shook him because he knew that in the long run, all things would be most well. And when Jesus left, the night that he was arrested and then later tortured and executed, this is what he said to his men. He said, I'm about to leave. I'm about to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be crucified. He says, but here's what you need to know. As I leave, I'm turning the mission over to you. I want to leave you with a gift. And that gift is a gift of my peace. He said, my peace I give to you. The kind of peace that allowed me to sleep in the midst of a Category 5 storm, the kind of peace that I have now knowing what's going to happen to me in the next 12 hours, next 18 hours. He says, that's what I want you to have. I've got a vision for your life. You're going to lead this movement. You're going to change the world. In order to do that, you need my peace. You need to know. And so Jesus has a vision for your life. He has a vision for my life. If it takes a storm to get there, he'll send it. But he'll never leave us. He'll never stop loving us. He'll always be with us in the boat, right? Even though at times it might seem like he's not. Because in the end, he's got a vision for you. And that vision is to make you like him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so bad at this. I think that if we're honest, we relate way more to the disciples and to you in times of storms.
And yet, Lord, we want to become like you. Uh, We thank you for this incredible incident that reveals so much about who you are, how you work in our lives, how we're to respond in times of storm, and what you're up to in those storms. And so, God, we pray that as you as you take us out into those oceans of our life, as the waves uh, rise, as you call us to walk on the water with you. We, we pray, God, that you would expand our world and change our hearts and you would give us that gift of peace. I, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today who are going through a stormy time. They've got a, a child who's out of control. They're facing, facing a health issue that's just overwhelming. They're, they're in a job or a financial system they don't have to do with. So their spiritual life is, has gone downhill and they don't know how to bring it back. Their marriage is in trouble. There's, there's, there's extended issues in their life. God, it's just the, stor- the, the storm is raging. God, may they know today that though it seems like you're asleep, you're not aware, and you don't care, that you are abs- at, uh, actually right in the boat with them that you've allowed this to happen, that you're gonna walk them through it, you're gonna change them through it, you're gonna bring them out, and that those who wait on the Lord will run and not grow weary, and those who hope and trust in you will mount up one day with wings like eagles. I pray you'd speak to them, speak strength, speak encouragement, speak power, and even as we worship now in these two final songs, how we celebrate who you are and what you're doing, what you're preparing for us to change the world, We pray that you'd meet us now and receive these gifts that we bring as a gift of our love and affection, our offering to you. We pray it in Christ's name. Today we saw a demonstration of Jesus' power that reveals who he is. They've not seen it yet, but he, they they will, in the years to come, as the Holy Spirit comes, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, they will recognize that Jesus is so much more than they ever would have thought that he is the creator God, that he is the creator of the cosmos, why he has the power to command seas. And and in that vision, their life will change. And so the next two weeks, we're going to see the next kind of category five uh, type miracles of Jesus. Next one's a fascinating one. Earlier in this series, we've talked a little bit, a couple times about spiritual warfare. But we're going to see next week probably the worst case of demonization in the Bible Uh, There's going to be a man that Jesus meets that uh, when asked his name, the the name of the demons, the demon will respond, my name is Legion. Legion was the largest unit of a Roman military uh, command. A legion was somewhere between, depending on the legion, three and 6,000 Roman soldiers. And this man, when asked the name of the demon, he says, my name is Legion. Uh, When Jesus deals with him, the demons go out and they will invade a herd of pigs that will drive the pigs so crazy that 2,000 of them will commit pig suicide. Imagine what it would be like to have that many demons in you. And so next week, we're going to take the next step of our study of spiritual warfare. Who the enemy is, uh, the realm of the demonic is very real. Uh, The power that we have as followers of Jesus, greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. Uh, Satan's intent for your life, uh, God's intent for your life, what becoming a follower of Jesus means in terms of transfer of kingdoms. And so it's been a great weekend for us to really uh, step into what it means to be a follower of Jesus uh, in this through, through the lens of spiritual warfare. So I hope you can join us. Until then, uh, may the Jesus of the boat be your Jesus. May this week your eyes be opened a little bit more to who this is. And if you're going through a storm in your life right now, May you be assured that he is in the boat with you. He is not unaware. He doesn't care. It's not that he doesn't care, but that he has a vision for your life that's far bigger than you could begin to imagine. And his vision is much more than where you work or where you live. The vision is about who you are. And that vision 
is to transform you to be the kind of person who can sleep through Category 5 events. And so until then, may the Jesus of the storm be with you. And we'll see you again next week. God bless you guys. Woo!